announcement. The hemp revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. You can hear the stories of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating the business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game forever. Introducing your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. from Denver, Colorado. I'm Sonia Gomez, and this is the Hemp Revolution Podcast. As you know, it is our mission to empower you with the truth about cannabis and hemp so that you can make educated decisions about how you're caring for yourself, the people that you love, conditions you may be suffering from, or how you can jump into this super exciting semi-challenging, but very cash-rich industry. If you are a budding entrepreneur or established business who's trying to break through the brick walls and glass ceilings of this industry, check us out on theemeraldcircle.com. And if you are a person looking for products you can depend on to deliver the results you're looking for, check us out on medicalsecrets.com. We are happy to help. In today's episode, we are visiting yet another incredible story from an entrepreneur who is like me, helping to transform the way that cannabis and hemp businesses are actually able to reach and convert their ideal customers. Today's guest is the co-founder of Boundless Labs, a top email marketing agency. Since launching Boundless Labs in June of 2018, they have helped their clients send hundreds of millions of emails, resulting in over $20 million in email attributable revenue. My tongue got twisted. Additionally, they have a CBD and cannabis specific, they help CBD and cannabis specific businesses unite under the Boundless Labs umbrella where we, they offer full service marketing solutions to their CBD and cannabis clients. Super excited to share the story of how they got involved and more importantly, how they're developing and creating these kinds of results for businesses and brands just like yours is our good friend, Mr. Chase Diamond. What's going on? Hey, how are you? I'm really excited to have you here. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Excited to be here and happy Friday. Happy Friday to everyone as well. Chase, why don't you give us a quick and dirty? Intros are all good and everything. Why don't you give us a quick and dirty and let us know where you're from, how you ended up in this crazy space, and what are you most excited about in your business? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm raised and still live in Orange County, California. So I live in Southern California where the weather is always great. So I love it here. I got into kind of CBD and cannabis uh, about two and a half or three years ago. My background is in building online communities. And one that always intrigued me was kind of cannabis and CBD. So I built a site about two and a half or three years ago called Weed Brief. Um, it's no longer up, but Weed Brief basically was a community of about 25 to 30,000 people on our newsletter and kind of, you know, tens of thousands of monthly web visitors to our website. And it was from that that I started learning about CBD. Um, cannabis to me was always kind of something I was scared to talk to people about. 
but the CBD thing kind of seemed a lot more fitting and less kind of judgy. So I ended up launching a CBD brand of my own um, here. So December of 2018, I launched a CBD brand for pets, in particular for dogs. And from there, I kind of built a whole marketing agency from that experience. Nice. And you have been specializing primarily in email outreach on behalf of cannabis and CBD brands. And for anybody who's been listening to my podcast or has been a guest on my podcast and is sneaking in to get some more secrets, you guys know from personal experience how challenging it can be to market online. So many brands and businesses are working overtime, building out their email list so that they can internally market to their ecosystems. I'll share a little bit about how we've been able to do that ourselves, but Chase, from you, I'd love to hear, you know, what gave you the foresight and understanding how important it was to use email versus social media or traditional marketing platforms? Yeah, so there's two pieces to that. One, my background's always been in email. So email kind of was a no-brainer when starting this agency. A lot of people came to me saying, hey, can you help me with email? I know email's your thing. So in building all these online communities, email was a huge acquisition channel. So whether that was kind of scraping or aggregating data from platforms like Instagram around people posting with hashtag cannabis or people following CBD-related accounts, I was able to go on and find emails in their bio. I was able to find email in their contact button and actually connect with them. So email has been a huge acquisition channel for every business of mine, as well as a huge retention and conversion channel, right? So you use email to communicate content and build trust. And once you have that trust, it's a lot, a lot easier to sell products and sell services. So yeah, so my background being in email kind of led to doing this and knowing how important it was for these brands that could not rely on platforms like Facebook, you know, Instagram, Google to build their own owned audience is crucial, right? You get customers, you can use them to share via referrals, you can have a word of mouth. So I think having your own audience where you control and you don't have to put a dollar in every single time you want to display a message is, is huge. Yeah, it is really huge. And I'll, I'll use myself as a personal example because I, what better way to do that? So I like to say we built our business upside down. I don't like to say that, but it's the truth. We built our business upside down. We built this massive community, not having a product or service to sell. And, but we did have a mission. We had a mission. We had an, a movement that we wanted to create. And that was to legalize cannabis, right? Legalize, don't criticize. And two and a half years ago, when we started this community, it was still a very much of a taboo, even more so than it is, certainly more so than it is today. It was a very taboo subject. And so we were doing everything and anything that we could to humanize the content or subject of cannabis. The community, the mission, that movement that we wanted to cultivate, which was global, ended up pulling people from all different spaces. And about three months, we organically hit 100,000 people, maybe four months. And my husband came to me and said, "Uh, you should probably do a video. Now, this is when Facebook Live was like in its infancy. Nobody had any idea what it was capable of. And I was like, a video? I had a baby five minutes ago. Like, are you kidding me? I'm not getting on camera. He's like, come on, just do a video. I'm like, okay, fine. So I jump on and I do a video. And I was, I didn't want anyone to see me. I didn't want any, like, I was just so embarrassed. I had no idea what I was going to say. Well, our, it must've worked. I still, to this day, don't remember what I said. It must've worked because the community went from a hundred thousand to 345,000 people in the next 45 days. Now, 
what did this mean for us? It meant that we had cracked the code on creating that internal ecosystem. And any money that we had spent previous to that time was now compounding on top of itself. It's like a bank account that continues to accumulate money. Three years later, or two and a half years later, here we are, we spend no money on advertising and at the click of the button can generate hundreds of new customers from our social media platforms alone. That's not including our messenger list or our email list. So spending money once to build a long-term ecosystem asset, think about it like a moat around your castle, spending that money once pays you over and over and over again. And if you're consistent, it continues to compound on top of each other. Now, it's certainly a long-term strategy. Chase, talk to me about the companies who, who can really leverage email marketing or the strategies that you have in particular um, to the, to the highest, to their highest ability. I know that, you know, email and community building and some of these things, some are considered long-term and some are considered short-term strategies for businesses asking this question in particularly, because I was speaking to some clients today who are in that mode right now where they have to move units now. Like in the next 30 days, the needle needs to move. Um, where there's other clients of mine who are like, you know, I have some time, I have some runway, I really want to see this work. How would you describe the path that a company who needs to move units now versus a company who has a little bit of runway, how would you recommend that they approach marketing in those two scenarios? Yeah, that's a great question. The first question you asked though, like, who is a good candidate for email, right? And I think great candidates for email are clients that have products that are consumable, right? Products that people purchase on a you know, weekly, monthly basis. So that's, that's the best fit for me, right? I don't like to work with mattress companies where you sell a customer a mattress and they don't come back for five years, right? Yeah. <laughs> products like CBD and cannabis where people are buying every single month, right? And then yeah. it makes sense for these companies to start subscription businesses. And emails are a really great way, what we kind of call to send these replenishment reminders. So if you bought a product today, you know, most likely most CBD things are consumed within kind of three to six weeks of receiving it. So, you know, in about four weeks from now, we need to send an email follow-up saying, hey, you know, you're about to run out. Why don't you reorder? And here's 10% off on your, your reorder. So I think that what addresses your first question, I think CBD products have, you know, frequent use and kind of for the business have good AOV, which is a high order value and repeat purchase is so important and email is crucial for that. Does that answer kind of the first question on like who email is good for? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it answer it answers it really super well because most of the most of the people that we have on here have, you know, consumable products or something like that you're rubbing on your skin or taking in your body. And I would think it's fair to say that most of them are not properly leveraging their lists, let alone properly capturing the information. So I'm going to ask you about that more in a moment, but I want you to ask the other two questions. Yeah, and then real quick before I forget, on that thing, I think a really important email that you could send to these folks is how do you use the product? So if you could give recommended dosage and usage, you know, apply this every morning, just like you eat your coffee, or just like you drink your coffee, you know, add this to, you know, a drink in the morning. If you could train your consumers on how they should be using your product and how frequently they should be using it, that's really great to set up your marketing around, hey, these people are going to inherently run out on time or sooner, which means you can sell more product, which means they could feel better, right? It's really kind of a double-edged sword in a great way where businesses sell more products and consumers got to keep feeling great and feel healthy because of 
the product's working. Yes, love that. So, okay, so now go into the other question, which correct me if I'm wrong, but it was how does a business leverage short-term strategies with email or, and also how do they leverage long-term strategies with email? Well, separate from email or inclusive to email, you are a agency, you offer marketing services. So my question is, let's start with somebody who needs to get cash right now and they need to start generating leads in the next or customers in the next 30 days. I want to understand how somebody works with you to solve that immediate sort of urgency that they have as a business. Awesome. So I have a pretty strong opinion that you have to do two to three things well if, you, if you're any kind of e-commerce business. You have to be able to execute on paid acquisition, which obviously in CBD and cannabis is easier said than done. That being said, we are successfully doing it for clients. So there are ways that it can work. And I think, I think Facebook's even come out that like they're more lenient with topicals, whereas with ingestibles, they're a little bit more strict. That yeah. being said, we're running it with both topicals and ingestibles. So I think paid acquisition is probably the quickest way to drive traffic, right? You know, there's, yeah. there's tons of top of funnel strategies. There's influencers, there's SEO, there's PR, there's affiliates. But I really feel like leveraging Facebook and Instagram and Google are the best platforms for any brands. And if you can figure it out right now in CBD and cannabis, you know, you, you have a wide open playing field, right? Not many people can figure it out. So I think leveraging paid acquisition again, on Facebook, Instagram, and Google, pairing that with email marketing, right? Most people are not going to convert. You know, if you're a good website, you only have, you know, two to 4% of people converting on first visit or at all. So you have to leverage something like email to increase that conversion. And then you also have to have CRO. So conversion rate optimization. So if your website's converting at 2%, how can we get that 2% conversion to 4% conversion? You know, because that will double your revenue. So those are the three things that I recommend every brand, especially CBD brands, need to do in the short term to be successful. What kind of budget do you think a brand should be allocating towards their marketing if they're being conservative? Let's say in a 90-day period, they're conservatively trying to market their business online. Let's also say that they have a good funnel and they have a good website and those two things don't need to be built, that they're ready to go to market and they need now to invest specifically into marketing. What kind of budget should they be allocating towards their marketing over a 90 day period? Yeah, that's a good question. So typically what we tell our clients, and this is inclusive of management fees and setup fees and whatnot, you need to start with about $10,000 for month one is kind of where, where we think that way you have enough budget to test Facebook and Instagram and maybe Google. That way we have enough time to work with you on your landing pages and your website to make sure that you're compliant and your ads will actually pass. This way we can kind of do some basic email marketing. So I think you need to have kind of a total budget of about $10,000 to get started. About, let's call it five of that will be actually spent on acquisition. And about five of that's kind of split between setup, management fees, and kind of email. So I think about 10,000 for month one. If all is going well, we're seeing kind of a return on spend that we want to see in month one. Month two, we like to go to about fifteen kind of thousand dollars in total budget, and then month three, you know, if, if things are going really well, you know, push towards twenty twenty five thousand. So again, like that's kind of what we what we set our clients up is you know be prepared to spend ten thousand dollars month one, fifteen thousand dollars month two, and twenty thousand dollars month three. And if they have more budget, even better. But we like to start kind of small and then scale. We want to make sure we have the fundamentals down before just throwing a bunch of money at it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you're identifying that a $10,000 investment month one is a minimal investment. <laughs> there are so there, there's so many misconceptions. I've even done this myself where I've acted even more conservatively to say like, okay, great for $5,000 a month, you know, we'll start to build your e ecosystem and your list and all of those things. And, you know, even though I stand behind that as a strategy for positioning, because I've done this myself where I've built up the audience and at about 30,000, we're able to go out there and start to attract our ideal partnerships. And, you know, because we have the platform, they're more inclined to want to do business with us and pick up products and so on and so forth. The one thing that I am recognizing is that, like you said, the one strategy isn't enough to move the needle fast, right? So implementing multiple strategies is where the additional investment comes from to ensure that you're not putting all your eggs into one basket, but that you're diversifying your channels. Because if there's one thing we know about this industry is that nothing is certain. <laughs> and that's part of the sex appeal, right? Is that spontaneous, like it's part of the sex appeal. It's the high risk, high reward that you have to certainly have a pair of nuts for, you know, cause it's a, I mean, my, my client said today, this is a weekly kick in the balls. And I'm like, yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah, I hope you can run a marathon after like getting kicked in the nuts. <laughs> it's a, that's because that's it takes to be successful in the space. Now, somebody who has a little bit more of a runway, if they came to you turnkey converting offer, we're excited to get to, we're excited to, you know, pour gas on something that's already working, you know, how would you approach their marketing strategy in the first three months. I always say it's a numbers game. So break down the numbers to me and what kind of results somebody can expect to get if they're aggressively marketing their products, let's say with a 20,000 plus budget. Yeah. So for, for every client that we work with, every brand that we talk to, whether they're looking at it from a short-term or a long-term perspective, the plan for the first 90 days is still the same. Oh, okay, I'm, good. I'm always going to recommend that same kind of core foundation. And then uh, post 90 days, that's really kind of where the strategy comes in, right? It's like, do we add, you know, an additional 10 or 20K to what's already working? Do we double down and kind of, you know, ante up? Or do we add additional channels, right? So I mentioned Facebook, Instagram, and Google. Do we start testing Snapchat? You know, do we start investing into some content marketing and start working on SEO, knowing that that's going to be long-term? So we kind of say to the client, like, here's what we could do. Option one is let's do more of what's already working. And typically that's probably the best option, right? Let's do more of what's working while it's working because every channel, right? Has a finite window at any given point in time, ads could get shut down. So if we could start pouring more money into what's already working and what we spent months building and get our, our return quicker and build that email list faster, that's where I recommend other clients that want diversity, you know, they want to start ranking on Google. So, you know, we'll start doing things like SEO and content marketing. So that's another great one. Um, transparently, a lot of clients come to us asking for PR and while we do it, it's not something I love to do. I feel like PR is just vanity. I feel like it's super cool and it sounds great to say you're on, you know, Esquire magazine or wherever you've been featured, but there's, there's not a direct ROI. I think the only thing you need to do is I think you need two or three placements to have that social proof. And then from there, I don't think you need 30 others. You know, they are great backlinks for SEO, but that's my personal opinion about PR. What, what, what's your thought on PR? People talk to me about it all the time. I want to do PR. I want to do PR. I'm always like, well, we could do that, but I don't think that's the right place to spend your money. Yeah. So that's definitely some place where we might be able to, to connect and collaborate. Cause my opinion of PR is similar and yet a little bit contrasting, especially in my own business model, I have leveraged my positioning 
in media to generate seven figures easy. And so for me, it's a position, it's all about positioning. Everything today is about who are you, where are you seen, who likes you, who trusts you, who is your brand aligned with, right? So if I'm recommended, like let's use Fab CBD for instance. Josh Delaney, the founder of Fab CBD, who is a, one of the top five CBD companies listed in Forbes right now, just put five half a million dollars behind SEO and ended up in Forbes magazine. He is now attracting the exact kind of clientele that he wants for both wholesale and for direct-to-consumer distribution. Yeah. You know, so there's there's a certain clout that comes along with being positioned in these different publications because they have a specific audience, right? If a woman's health, you know, or a mommy and me product is placed into women's health or into my mommy's magazine, this is excellent positioning to say that the go-to publication is recommending and referring this particular product. Does it need to be something that happens ongoing? No, you invest into doing it for, you know, three, six months, you run fast and hard with it, get that positioning, build the buzz, but you also simultaneously have to have the other things in the background 100% set up in order to maximize on your return. If you go out trying to get onto public television and into publications and you don't have a rock solid offer, funnel, website, email sequences and captures set up and ready to go with upsells, downsells, cross sells, and the rest of it, you're going to be wasting a lot of time and money building a buzz around nothing. You're going to bring more volume to a platform that is not prepared, which will compromise your professionalism and trust in the marketplace. But if you have all cylinders on fire, like you should absolutely be be investing into PR and getting yourself placed and building a personal brand. What I'm recognizing about this industry, and I've been here for 35 years, my husband and I have been in this industry for 35 combined years. I literally helped write the legislation that legalized cannabis in Colorado. So I know what I'm talking about. People don't care what products you have, bro. They don't care. Everybody has the same shit. Everybody has a topical. Everybody has a thing. Pretty soon we're going to see tops of these tinctures whistling at you when you hit the right diet. It's just, it's all gimmicks and gags at this point. What people are really actually interested are in the stories behind the brands. What the, what is the purpose and the passion behind the product? Can I trust the people who are creating this product for me? right? And will it work for me? And why should I pick this instead of aspirin, right? These are the things that somebody is really asking themselves and people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And the only way to do that is by getting in front of their faces on every platform that you can over and over and over again with value-driven content that leads them back and connects them to your product. That's how they get converted into a customer through PR, so that's, that's my agreeing and disagreeing with you. They, they have to have everything that you do in place in order to properly leverage, you know, public relations. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I completely agree. I think where I'm coming from is I think if you have the ability to invest into PR long-term or another channel, I would opt for another channel. I feel like, at least in my personal opinion, for B2C, I think for B2B, PR and those types of things, selling services are huge, right? Mm-hmm. In a service-driven world, optics are everything, right? 
but I think in a B2C, and again, this is from my own personal experience with this yeah. company. I felt like after the first three publications, kind of like after two or three publications, I felt like there were, were diminishing returns where every new dollar we were investing into PR was not bringing us additional new dollars. I felt like the first few that we were in were enough to have the logos and have that fruit and then move on. So kind of us being in like 30 or 40 publications and learning the hard way of paying for PR led to my now really kind of aggressive thesis on PR. You have to do it, but I think you just do it once if you do it well and right, if you're on a B2C business and then you move on to the next channel. Yes, I agree. I will agree with that for sure. And you have to be really strategic about where you get placed. Don't go get placed for the sake of being placed. Don't get onto PR to practice, you know, like you have got to be ready to go and go big, like go big or don't do it. You know what I mean? And I would say, like, let's say that somebody has a specific bundle or a really unique selling proposition with their product. I would invest maybe, you know, a maximum of 90 days and be really, really strategic about the publications that you get placed in. Get on to the local, you know, television stations, get on to the, you know, Joe Rogan level podcast for your industry, get into these like really high level publications. But again, only if you have all of the other things working, because that's just another method of, of pouring gasoline onto the thing and then leveraging that over and over again to say like, Hey, we're trusted in the marketplace, you know, otherwise, I 100% agree with you. And part of the attraction of running an e-commerce business is not having to be way out in front all the time. Yep. <laughs> There's like automation that is, you can, you can hire handsome blokes like you to do all that stuff while you're drinking umbrella drinks. Like yep. that's my goal. <laughs> yep. If anybody wants to know, find me in Bora Bora. So <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's certainly my opinion. I want to know from you, like, what are still some of the challenges as a service-based business industry? What are some of the challenges? Cause, and, and let me give some context to this question. I am going through a whole education process right now where I am empowering folks who like yourself saw an opportunity here, understood what they loved to do and jumped in with both feet because you felt like you could bring value here. So I'm, I'm advising folks in a similar situation where they can recognize the opportunity. They have a specific skill set or asset and want to know how they can apply it to this space. Inevitably. So there are still challenges that you face, no matter how successful you are. What are some of those challenges for you being a service-based business in this industry? There's a number of challenges. So, so one is like the, the barrier entry on price, right? So typically, again, like the, the price point of like the $10,000 that I really believe the company needs to be willing and able to invest to be successful in month one, but also be able to upkeep that for 90 days. I think that's a huge barrier entry for us being able to provide a service to clients. A lot of clients are come to us a lot smaller. They have an idea, they have a passion, they have a mission, mm-hmm. but they don't have the funding. So I think there's a big disconnect there because we can only work with so many CBD brands. We're limited by our time, right? As a service provider, we have to charge higher rates. So I think that's one thing, right? In, in our non-CBD practice, we don't, charge, we don't charge a setup fee. We don't have certain hoops that we have to jump through. So it's a lot quicker and easier. And we're more willing to work with smaller companies because of that. So I think that's one hoop. Another hoop is like in, kind of included in this bundle of us working with clients is like, do they want help on payment processing? They want help on setting up a bank. They want help with all these other things. And that inherently slows us down, right? I like to move full speed ahead. I want to just do the marketing, but inherently we're, we're in, 
we're inheriting all the other issues that come with CBD. And the reason I think that people choose to work with us is because we've literally been in their shoes. You know, we set up a website, we got it shut down and we flew under the radar on Shopify for a very long time, right? Going through payment processing, we were paying really expensive rates. You know, we're paying like eight or 9% for our payment processing. So, you know, we, we've been screwed over. We've gone through everything. So I think people really like working with us because we've been in their shoes. So that's a pro, but because we've been in their shoes, we feel so inclined to want to help them with all these other things that are outside of the scope. And now we've taken on way too much, right? Yeah, totally. So that's another, um, even with us having a lot of success advertising on Facebook and Instagram, there are still cases and fires that we have to put out all the time where, you know, these five ads passed, but these five ads got denied or no ads passed, everything got denied. So we're kind of constantly battling with these strategies that we're working on to get ads up. And then once ads are up, they're kind of sustainable. Getting ads alive has been a challenge to some degree, right? That being said, you know, I, I think we're at about a 75% kind of completion rate, you know, seven or eight out of the 10 clients that come to us, we've been able to get ads up and they're sustainable, but that's another challenge, right? We're very transparent. You know, if we never get ads up, we refund the money. So, so inherently there's a lot of challenge, both from being a service provider from working with brands and, and making sure that everyone has the same level of education, right? So we feel like we're spending a lot of time and money on lawyers. So that way we're educated. And then we're able to pass it on to our clients. So it's an expensive playground to be in, but it's a really rewarding one. What are the things when you're faced with challenges like, and, and by the way, this is not a unique ch- situation, right? This is like across every board, everyone always needs more qualified leads. Yeah. They always need, um, they always need the ancillary solutions that allow you to do your best job. Yes. These are always the challenges and whether you're a lawyer, an accountant, a plumber, it doesn't fucking matter that this yeah. is across every single industry. So I love, I actually love that these are your challenges because they make you human and they make yeah. your business real. Um, your results are also phenomenal. And my question is, what are some of the, um, you said something that was really important to me. The piece that I love to do the most is this part. And I want to understand what you think, because I, I preach this quite a bit. I follow a gentleman by the name of Roger James Hamilton, who focuses specifically on what doing the thing that you are most naturally inclined to do and that you're most passionate about and how to leverage that as your superpower in any situation. So I, I really love that you can identify on the piece that you love the most. What do you think is the opportunity cost that you risk or the money that you put on, leave on the table by diluting your potency away from the thing that you love most? Do you think that there is an opportunity cost by trying to do, trying to solve these problems, having that compassion for the, where the business is at, instead of just staying really hyper-focused on your one skill set? I'm asking for a friend because I may or may not know someone who's in the same situation. <laughs> yeah. no, that's a good question. So th- there's a couple of things I want to mention. So when I first started my agency, Boundless, email was our superpower. It was the thing that we were best at. It's the thing that I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, but we had to kind of be random ad hoc requests of, can you do SEO? Can you do this? And can you do that? And when we started doing everything, it really detracted from the quality of our work until we brought on the right partners that were experts in their field. So for me personally, um, email is my strong suit. I don't run any ads. I've never run an ad in my life. I've brought in the right partners on my team that run ads. So for me, in some regard, like 
I am staying in my lane and email is probably the thing I'll always do. That being said, like being like a person that is compassionate, right? I want to be able to help these people. So, so I think going back to that question, like from us originally saying we did everything and therefore we did nothing. So then going to just doing email and really crushing it to now kind of going back to the thing where like people are coming to us with these needs and we now finally have the right ecosystem to support them has been really cool. Um, but yeah, like all, all these other things are definitely distractions, right? The more things you're focused on, the less mind share you have to really execute on the thing that you, you love. And when you stop doing the thing that you're great at and that you do love, you know, you go through the, the roller coaster, right? Man, it's, it's just the ever running river of entrepreneurialism and really trying to find what that sweet spot is. And for me, like you have to kiss a bunch of frogs before you find the prince, you yeah. know, like you, you have to figure out I love that you know what your superpowers are. I love that you build your team to be a direct compliment. Um, I think it was Mark Cuban who said the first thing you do is hire your weaknesses. And I love, I, I love that you are doing all of those things. And I, and for those of you guys who are listening, I think one of the biggest pieces of advice or takeaways that you might consider gathering from this conversation and many of the others is build yourself by building your team and be really clear about what you want to accomplish in your business. Have that vision, enroll your team, and then your time will expand, multiply with your team, right? And what you can actually accomplish also multiplies. I love that everything that you're doing right now is directly related to CBD and in the spirit of the folks who are a part of our network, the the listeners who are on here who have existing brands or perhaps are pulling the capital together to get started in this space, I would love to hear your words of wisdom that you would be able to share. What are some key pieces of advice that you would give somebody right now? Let's, let's just say for somebody who has an existing business right now and they need or want to break through this, you know, glass ceiling or brick wall of marketing, what would be some pieces of advice that you could offer that they could either implement themselves or you could help them with? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think you mentioned this before too. I think if you have a brand, if you're about to start a brand, I think it all goes back to literally the branding. How does it look? What are the values that it communicates, right? Why are people doing this? Is it just to get rich? Is it because that, you know, for example, in your story, I've heard your story a number of times. Is it because there's something greater, right? So I think if there's something greater, uh, be open about that. Don't, don't hide behind it. So I think your brand should be an extension of yourself. And if you're doing this to make money, but also to help people, I think that should be communicated. So I think it, it starts from, you know, day one, or if you're already part of it, like, and you're not doing this, like go back to making sure this brand looks premium, that it looks incredible. It sounds incredible. And it is incredible, right? I really believe in having the best quality product and the best quality ingredients, and the best quality service. Um, and all, all those things, some of it costs money, some of those things don't, right? For you to delight your customer as a founder, make a phone call when someone places an order, especially in the early days, right? Send them a, a postcard, like, I think there are so many things to do that are overlooked because they don't seem scalable. They seem like too much effort. So I think one is focus on the brand and focus on the customer and, and really narrow them. Like who is the customer? Don't go after everyone. Pick a niche. Like for us, for in, in, when we started our CBD brand, um, everyone was doing CBD, but not everyone was doing CBD specifically for dogs. So I think find the, the market and be able to communicate to them. 
So knowing your customer, knowing who you're speaking to is so important. That funnels into everything you do. That funnels into who we target on the Facebook side, on the Instagram side. That, that funnels into how we write the copy on the website and in the emails. So branding and then in, investing into your team, like we just mentioned, and knowing the right levers to pull um, on the marketing side, right? If you could find someone that can do Facebook and Instagram and Google, now's the time. Like while it's expensive, it's only going to get more expensive as more CBD brand goes in, right? As the as the supply and demand kind of work themselves out, it's going to get extremely expensive. While today it's a lot cheaper, right? Because not everyone's doing it. I would buckle down on branding, messaging, team, and the channels that you can put dollars into today that will spit dollars back out. I know that was a lot. No, that's perfect. That's the exact amount that I wanted to hear because it's it's comprehensive. So I think I think I will just piggyback by saying ditto. I think think it's really good advice. And, you know, I think that while we are all scrambling to get a new customer, my words of wisdom would be to piggyback off of what you said, stay true to the customers that you already have. You know, don't forget to serve them. Don't forget to serve the customers that you have already cultivated and continue to remind them that there's more opportunities for you to, for them to engage with you. Give them a reason to stay plugged in with you. And that in building that solid, dependable revenue through the existing customer base. That's the element of email in the first place is like, oh, they said that they wanted more. Let's give them more. Okay. What's the more that they want? And it's all strategically built off of the actions that they are taking, but that's influenced by the actions that you take in their direction first. It's a push me, pull me relationship. I'm so excited to have had you on. I think you brought a lot of value to our, to the podcast today. And I'm really honored and, and excited to continue to celebrate all of your success. Chase, what are some fine, where can people find you if they are interested in working with you? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was an absolute pleasure. You can find me at my website, Boundless, B-O-U-N-D-L-E-S-S, labs, L-A-B-S dot I-O. So boundlesslabs.io is my website. My email is just chase at boundlesslabs.io. Those are probably the best two or on Instagram, um, chase hunter diamond, no A in diamond. So chase hunter diamond um, on Instagram. Nice. Hey guys, all of the social handles and websites will be posted inside of this blog here, along with show notes, highlights, and all of the mentionables and tweetables that we include. Make sure that you check it out and share this content with other folks that you know this would be a benefit to. Because you share content just like this one, we've been able to impact hundreds of millions of people's lives around the world. It's tough to even conceptualize, but it's really incredible to celebrate. So I appreciate your guys as being a part of our community. And if you are a person looking to break through the glass ceilings of entrepreneurship in the cannabis and hemp industry, check us out on Emerald Circle on theemeraldcircle.com. We are happy to help. And as you know, it is our mission to empower you with the truth about cannabis and hemp so that you can make educated decisions about how you're going to be involved in this incredible industry. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Sonia Gomez, and this is The Hemp Revolution. Thanks so much, Chase. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to another rock star episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Gomez. And just for you, we took notes on this episode along with the links and other resources mentioned inside of today's show. Get them for free right now by going to theemeraldcircle.com. Now, if you want more on this, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast or wherever you like to listen, and you will be automatically entered in to our monthly giveaway where you can get swag bags, all kinds of cool gifts and discounts from our guests, and exclusive offers that are only mentioned right here in the Hemp Revolution podcast. I can't wait for you to share this with your friends. With your help, we've been able to impact millions of people's lives around the world with the truth about hemp and cannabis. And we know that you love us so much that you're going to leave a review and rate us right now on your favorite platform to absorb content just like this. Now, we challenge you to dream big and love the life that you live. Thanks so much. And we hope to see you on our next episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast. Ciao for now.